Well, I want to welcome everyone here to Emmanuel. If you're joining us at the Greenwood campus, the Banta campus, or the Franklin campus, want to welcome you if you're a first-time guest and everyone else. Uh, we're in a series right now called Being Spiritual. And today what we're going to be doing is wrapping up this series. This is the fourth week in a four-week series. And we're going to be talking again, addressing this idea of what does it really look like to be a spiritual person? It's kind of an interesting thing. One in five Americans now say that they are spiritual, but they are not religious. We've been talking about this idea, trying to make sense from the scriptures, from God's word. What does it really look like to be a spiritual person? Is a person spiritual if they, if they love to connect with nature or they really appreciate a sunset or the stars? Is a person spiritual if they attend services, perhaps like this one, or if they read some type of holy book, maybe the Bible or the Quran or the Old Testament or something like that? Is a person a spiritual person, we've asked, if they stay away from drugs and alcohol and, and things like that, if they just kind of stay clean, does that make them a spiritual person? Is a person spiritual if they, if they love to take walks by themselves or spend time in solitude? Like, what does it really look like to be a spiritual person? And what we've been saying in this series is that spirituality or true spirituality is a matter of another reality, another reality coming to bear itself upon our reality. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter four, verse 17. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus invaded our world in the form of a baby. We're gonna be talking about that pretty soon in our Christmas series coming up, which starts next week. He came as a baby, he invaded our world, and what he brought with him is eternal life. He brought abundant life with him. He, he brought this opportunity for us to now live with God in the kingdom of God, to have his strength, to have, his, to have him with us. In fact, the name of our church is Emmanuel, it means God with us, that's the kingdom of God. Jesus said to a man named Pilate one time, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. True spirituality is God's kingdom invading our kingdom and then Jesus inviting us to live in that kingdom with him. We must put our confidence and trust in Jesus Christ. We must be born again in order to receive that spiritual life. And then we must surrender to the leadership of the Spirit in our life, our members, our mind, our body, our, our, our hands, our feet, our heart, and our mind to him as he leads us in this world. Then we must live for his audience alone. We must silence all of the other audiences in our life if we want to be spiritual people and listen to the audience of one because we seek the approval of one. And then a spiritual person, we talked about this last week, draws upon the grace of God, the strength of God for everyday living, meaning that they create space in their life through spiritual practices to, to abide and to connect to God, to draw upon his strength for living. If you missed last week's talk, I challenge you to go back and watch it on the podcast. It'll be a blessing to you. And so today what we wanna do is, is kinda wrap things up by talking one more time about what it looks like to be a spiritual person. I wanna talk about the role of the mind today on, on our spirituality. What role does our mind play when it comes to being a spiritual person or an unspiritual person? You know, the mind is a crazy thing. 
Researchers and scientists uh, tell us today that we forget things on purpose, that, there, that there's a built-in mechanism in the mind that helps us forget so that we don't have information overload, so that we can process new information and assimilate new information in a better way, so that we can avoid emotional hangovers, <laughs> you know, like a breakup or something like that, or a bad event in our life. There's a built-in mechanism that helps us forget these things so that we can move on in our life. Isn't that interesting? The mind is crazy. Scientists and researchers now say that the mind has trouble focusing for longer than 90 minutes at a time. I would argue it's more like 10. (laughs) Some of you are gonna check out here in about 10 minutes because you have a hard time focusing. They say that up to about 30% of the time our mind wanders on any given day. Imagine, it's, it's incredible. And that's just a normal day. When we're driving down the road and we don't have much to do, they say that your mind can wander up to 70% of the time. Just kind of wander off. Like, yeah, my mind does that. (laughs) It's incredible. The mind has a terrible time distinguishing between what is actually real and what is not real or imagined. This is why some people love to watch horror movies. I'm not one of them, but some people love it because they get scared to death. Some people love to get scared to death because what they're seeing on the TV screen, their mind cannot distinguish between what is fake and what is real, so they feel the fear. Which, which, this is the same reason why some people don't watch horror movies because they cannot distinguish between what is real and what is not real, and they get scared to death, and they don't like to be scared to death, and so they don't watch. This is what's going on in a, night, in a nightmare. When someone's having a nightmare, their, their, their mind, their body is not able to realize that what's happening in the mind is not real, and so they feel the fear, and they, they get sweaty, and they shake, and they have a terrible time physically because of the nightmare. The mind is not able to distinguish between what is real and what is not real. Perhaps you've heard of the placebo, the, the placebo effect, where group A of people have a, has a certain sickness or illness and they take a, a real medication uh, to, to be healed, and group B has that same sickness, but instead of taking the real medication, they take a sugar pill. And amazingly, because they think they're taking the real medication, group A and group B are both healed. Isn't that incredible? The power of the mind. There was one researcher who hooked up a professional skier to all kinds of machines that would monitor, monitor uh, muscle, fiber tr- be, muscle fibers being triggered. And he told the, the skier, he said, I, I want you to stand perfectly still. The only thing I want you to do is imagine in your mind, picture yourself going down the slopes, in and out of, of, of poles, down your moguls, and, and I, but I don't want you to move a muscle. And so sure enough, they hooked, he hooked him up and all this stuff. And, he, and all he did was think, and, and the, it was amazing that all the machines were measuring his muscles. They, they showed that, that his muscles were triggering, his fibers were triggering because his mind was telling him that he was going down the ski slope. See, the mind doesn't have the ability to distinguish between what is real and unreal, or it has a terrible time distinguishing between what is real and what is unreal. The mind is amazing. It's a powerful thing that God has given us. You know what some people, some researchers say? We think up to 60 to 70,000 thoughts every single day. Most of them are the same, but many of them are different. I can't, that's unfathomable. 
And what that, that tells us, and that tells us that this is kind of intuitive, is that we always have something on our mind. In your notes, if you're following along, we always have something on our mind. We have many things on our mind. We're always thinking, thinking, thinking. We're thinking about things that happened in the past to us. Many of us mull them over and mull them over. Many of us are thinking about what's going to happen in the future in our life. We're worried and concerned, and we think about it constantly. We're thinking about what we have to do today and the tasks and the work we have to do and the projects we have to get done. This, the mind is going. Some of us have a hard time shutting our minds off at night, so we take a pill to help us shut down at night. And even then, when we do fall asleep, the mind keeps going and dreams of all sorts. Isn't that incredible? The mind is going, going, going. We're thinking about how we look, and so we're just looking in the mirror and checking ourselves and you know, our size and our shape and our clothes and our teeth and our hair and our makeup and all these different things. We're thinking about how we look. We're thinking about what other people think about us. Do they accept us? Do they love us? What are their thoughts about us? This mind is going and going. We're thinking about pleasure all the time. When's the next weekend coming? Or how far, when's Friday coming? And what do I get to do? And when am I gonna watch the next football game? Or when am I gonna go to the next sale? And what am I gonna spend my money on? And and a lot of us are thinking about sex all the time because that's the most pleasurable thing we can have. And so the mind is just going, 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 going all the time. The question I want to ask today about this incredible thing called the mind is, what role does the mind play in our spirituality? Like, does a spiritual person think differently than an unspiritual person? And if the answer is yes to that question, what is a spiritual person thinking about? What are the contents of their their thoughts? Well, the answer to the question of, does a spiritual person think differently than an unspiritual person is, is a resounding yes. A spiritual person thinks very differently from an unspiritual person. In fact, in your notes, this is the way I wrote it. A spiritual person is focusing their mind on eternal things, things that will last forever. As opposed to what an unspiritual person is thinking about, they're thinking about things that will not last forever. They're thinking mostly about temporary things. Listen to the Apostle Paul's instruction to the Christians at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, set your mind or focus your thinking on things that are, say it with me, above. Things that are above, not on things that are on earth. I want you to think, Paul says, about heavenly things. Things that are, things that are spiritual, things that are eternal. I want those things to occupy your mind. I don't want you to be consumed with merely earthly things. What you're gonna eat, or what you're gonna drink, or what people think about you, or your reputation, or the next thing you're gonna buy, or your house, or your cars, or whatever. Yes, we have to think about some of those things. Paul's not saying you, shouldn't, you should never think about those things. He's just saying, I don't want you to set your mind on them. We gotta deal with real life. We have to have a home. We have to have clothes. We have to have a car. But I don't want you to be focused on those things. I want you to set your mind and focus your mind on heavenly things, Paul says. And then he goes on in verse 12 and he talks about what those things are. And interestingly enough, they're character qualities. Things on the inside, like compassion and patience, and humility, and kindness, and forgiveness, and love. Verse 12, you can read it later. It's amazing. Why why is he talking about character qualities? And literally, he's talking about the character qualities of Jesus. Why? It's because people last forever. People are eternal. Your character lasts forever forever, which is why God is so entirely focused on the type of person you are becoming, because you're an eternal being. 
your soul, your character, your heart are things that are above. Those are spiritual things. Listen to how Paul says it in, to a group of Christians in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not our physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, it's short-lived. Like a truck, it's gonna, a brand new truck is beautiful, it's nice, but over 100 years, that truck will end up in the junkyard. Don't fix your eyes on what you can, what, what is just simply seen on this world because it's temporary. Instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fix your eyes on what is unseen because what is unseen is eternal. It lasts forever. See, a spiritual person's mind, the, the eyes of their heart, their thoughts are upon eternal things, things that last forever. We're gonna talk about three of those things today. What are the contents of a, person's, a spiritual person's mind? There's three things, but before we get to that, Before we get to that, I wanna ask a question. Why do our thoughts matter? Why does it even matter? Like, what's the big deal? Thoughts. Why should I care about the thoughts going through my mind? Well, it's just a small matter. (laughs) It's just a matter of life and death. I'm not being overdramatic. It is a matter of life and death. Your thoughts impact life and death. And death. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to set the mind, okay, he uses that same phrase again from Colossians chapter 3, to, to fix your thoughts on the flesh or merely earthly things or seen things, desires of the heart, desires of everybody else in the world, to set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit or spiritual things is life and peace. Incredible. Paul says that the contents going through my mind or what I focus my mind on determines whether I experience death or life in this world. Now, is Paul talking about literal death? Perhaps, maybe. But what I know for sure is that he's talking about a certain quality of life. Basically, what Paul is saying is that the quality of my thoughts determine the quality of my life. By death, he means chaos all around you. Death to your reputation. Death to a relationship with with an old employer or a company. Maybe death to a spouse or two. Maybe there's a couple of divorces in your life. Death to a relationship with a child you don't talk to anymore. Death, just chaos everywhere. That the contents of my mind lead to a life of death or a life of peace. See? What goes on in our mind is so important. John Maxwell, in one of his first books, Think on These these Things, he wrote this, what occupies your mind means more than anything else in your life. I don't think that's an overstatement. The quality of my thoughts determines the quality of my life. Why? Because God has given us a mind and he wants to use our mind to transform our lives, to transform our character. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Be transformed or turned into a different person by the renewal of your thoughts, the renewal of your mind. If I change the way that I think, I can change the person that I am. That's the power of the mind. It's absolutely an incredible tool. God wants to change you. How does that work? Well, here's how it works. The way the mind works is that the mind puts options before the will. That's how it works. See, the will is the place in your soul where we make the choices of our life. 
And isn't your life a result of the choices that you have made over decades? That are, like, aren't you who you are and aren't you where you are because of the choices that you made primarily? I know there's things that are exceptions, but primarily that's true. We are who, you, we, who we are and we are where we are because of the choices we made. Well, how did we make those choices? Our mind put options before our will. And our will made the decision. Think about it this way. When you go to the Golden Corral or somewhere like that, like a, a, some type of all-you-can-eat buffet, you go there and you have all of these options before, before you. And then you make your choices based on the options that you have. That's how, that's how it works at the Golden Corral. Okay? It's pretty good. Well, your soul works the same way. Your mind puts all kinds of options before your will. Your thoughts bring in options before the will. And then your will makes choices based on those options. Well, what would happen if your mind only put incredible options before your will? Like godly, holy, wonderful options before your will. Something tells me that you would make great choices because you would only have great options. Think about it this way. If you went to the Golden Corral and there were only healthy options, I mean, just wonderful tilapia and broccoli and, and carrots and all, even, even the desserts were healthy, right? And you had no bad options and you ate there every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What would happen to your body over about three or four years? And you only had healthy options. Some of you are like, I would never go there. <laughs> I understand. I understand, because you like some, some foods that are not healthy. But what if you just had to go there every day? And, you, and all you could pick were the options given to you. And they were all healthy. Here's what would happen over about three years. You'd feel stronger. You'd have more energy. I bet all of your blood work would come back better. You'd feel better, because be, you've been feeding yourself all that healthy stuff, because you didn't have the other options. See? It works the same way with the mind. Your mind puts options before your will and then you make choices from, from those options. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, he said, whatsoever is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and excellent and of good report, think about these things. Put great options before your will because you are who you are and you are where you are because of the choices that you make. Well. Put great options before you will so you can make great choices. This is how we're transformed into spiritual people, into people who are just like Jesus. So powerful. See, why do your thoughts matter? Because it's a matter of life and death. Do you want death in your life or do you want life and peace? So let's talk about some of those contents. What are the contents of a spiritual person's mind? A spiritual person is focused on eternal things. What are those eternal things? Number one, a spiritual person is thinking about God. I mean, what else is better to think about than God? Who else is better to think about than God? What he's like, his holiness, his beauty, his power, his grace, his mercy, his omnipresence. All of these things are to be consuming our minds. Listen to the psalmist in Psalms chapter 63, verse five and six. He says, my soul will be satisfied. Wouldn't you love to have a satisfied soul? <laughs> your will, your mind, right? Your, your emotions, satisfied. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. All that simply means is like the choicest food in the land. It's like having a, a, a wonderful meal, right? That's the way my soul is gonna feel. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. It's like this person is in, is in this, this place of ecstasy, 
I'm totally fulfilled and my mouth is singing praise to God. How did this person get to this spot? Watch the next verse. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. Don't you love it? Your soul is satisfied as with the choices of foods and your mouth is praising God with joyful lips. When you and I are remembering and meditating on God himself, what he's like. When you remember his unearned, unmerited favor. When you remember his power, when he he came up from from, from his nap on the boat with his disciples and and he said to the storm, peace be still and the the winds and the waves obeyed him. Oh. Or when he stopped for, for a blind beggar, and he stopped and he, and he just, he went over to him and, and he touched his eyes and gave him his sight back. Oh. When you think about God, your heart is filled with joy. It's like a soul feast and your mouth starts praising See, a spiritual person's thinking about God and God's character and what God has done and what God is like. It's filling his or her mind. That's what makes them spiritual. There's a Puritan, old Puritan pastor named Thomas Watson. Dallas Willard likes to quote him a lot. And this is something he likes to quote that Thomas Watson wrote. Uh, It's great. God is the treasure of the spiritual person. And where the treasure is, There is the heart. By this we may test our love for God. What are your thoughts most upon? See, that's how I can judge whether or not I am spiritual or not spiritual. What are my thoughts most upon? Where's my treasure? If God is my treasure, if if he's the love of my life, if he's the love of your life, you're gonna be thinking about him. I remember when I first fell in love with Jackie at Liberty University. I couldn't stop thinking about her. I think, thinking about the way she looked, her, her face, her hair. I would, I would think about her lips. I would think about other parts. I, I probably couldn't say to you right now. <laughs> be wrong. But I was just thinking about talking with her and spending time with her. Why? Because I was in love with her. She was my treasure. She was filling my mind. This is what Watson is saying. If, if God is the love of your life, you're going to be thinking about him. What are your thoughts most upon? The things of this world, temporary things, the things of this earth, the things that are seen that are temporary that won't last, money and and cars and houses and your reputation and how much power you have or influence or who knows you or who accepts you. What's your mind on? Or is it upon God? My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and I meditate on you in the night watches. Whoa. That describe your life? The spiritual person is thinking about God, but not just that. There's number two, the spiritual person is also thinking about God's will. The spiritual person understands that God is a person. He's not just, he's just not this vague idea out there, you know, uh, just kind of this unknowable force. No, 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 none of that. God is a person, and God has a will, and he wants to do things. That's why when Jesus said, I came to bring my kingdom, the kingdom, that word itself, should tell us something 
about who God is. A kingdom has a king. A king has a will. A king exerts his will. A king does things. God wants you to partner with him to fulfill his will. That's why to be a spiritual person literally means to seek the kingdom of God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first and foremost, above all else, the kingdom of God. That's the space where God is doing what God wants to do. It's the space where God gets what God wants. It's God acting. That's what it is. And his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. What, what are all of these things? All the things of this world. Like a house and transportation and clothing and insurance and all these things that he knows you have need of that are part of living in this physical world. He knows, he knows that, that you need those things and here's the, here's the difference. Unspiritual people seek those things first. All the things of this world. Spiritual people simply say, no, I know I, know I need those things. I need a house, I need all those things. But what I'm gonna do first and foremost is seek the will of God, the kingdom of God, what God wants to do in this world. And that's why when Jesus gave us the prayer, that you know, his famous prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name, your kingdom come, next phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. That's, that's the desire of a spiritual person's heart. The spiritual person is thinking about God's will. What does God wanna do and how can I join him in that? And so when we look in the Psalms, which by the way, I love the Psalms because what you find in the Psalms is, this, this, is you find spiritual people. And, and what I love about it is that they don't hide their sins and their imperfections. No, those are all in there too. A spiritual person is not perfect, they sin. But their focus, their whole life is oriented towards God and God's will and what God is doing, what God wants to do. Listen to Psalm chapter 40, verse, verse eight. I delight or I find my happiness or I am thrilled to do your will. That's the desire of a spiritual person's life. They wake up in the morning and they're seeking the kingdom and they want to do what God wants to do in this world. Not what they want to do. They're not running their own show. They're not living in their own kingdom. They're living in the kingdom of God, partnering with God to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's the delight of a spiritual person's life. Now let me push down a little bit into that before I talk about this third piece. What does that really look like? Well, primarily it's gonna look like focusing on people because people are eternal. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen, things that are temporary. We fix our eyes on what, are, what is unseen, things that are eternal. People will go on to live forever, which is why when you open up the Bible and you look into it, you see God focusing on rescuing people, loving people, redeeming people, reconciling people, helping people, saving people, blessing people. It's all about people. You know what's on God's heart? You know what God's will is? To love people, which is why he told us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. The spiritual person's mind is occupied with loving, helping, praying for, trying to heal people. That's what a spiritual person's thinking, because that's, that's God's heart, that's God's will. Does that make sense? That's why at this church we say we're on a relentless pursuit. For what? For money? <laughs> for fame? For fortune? To build pretty buildings? No, we're in a relentless pursuit for people who have said no to God. They've said, God is boring, judgmental, irrelevant. He doesn't love me. I don't want a part of my life. I don't even believe in him. We are relentlessly pursuing them. Why? Because God is. And he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die for them because he loves them. 
And so we've just partnered with him. That's the kingdom. See that? That's what this church is all about. So spiritual people have their minds consumed with God and God's will, and then number three, spiritual people are thinking about God's word. God's word. It fills their mind. They love it. They they can't get enough of it. If they have some free time, they're trying to get their mind in it. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law, your words. They are my meditation all the day long. I wake up thinking about them. In the midday, I'm thinking about it. In the afternoon, I'm thinking about your law, your word. And at night, I'm thinking about it too. In Psalm chapter one, we read about this, 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 this spiritual person. It says in Psalm one, some of you know this because it's, fam- it's one of the most famous Psalms. It's blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, what is he doing? He's meditating day and night. Not just once in a while, but all day long the word of God is on his mind. What does it mean to meditate? It's focused thinking. All day long a spiritual person has God's word on his or her mind. And look at the results. The results, next verse. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and whatsoever he does, he prospers. How many of you would like to live a life like that? where there's always fruit going on in your life and your leaf does not wither and whatever you find yourself doing, whether it's a marriage or a business or raising children or whatever you're trying to do, it's prospering. How many of you like to live a life like that? Where does that come from? Where does, that, where does the fruit come from? Where, do, where does the prospering come from? It comes from the roots going down into the ground, drinking the water. He is like a tree, she is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's an endless supply of energy, an endless supply of grace to this person. Why? Because the word of God is flowing through his or her mind, day and night. What is a spiritual person thinking about? What are the contents of his or her mind? The word of God is flowing constantly in their mind and in their heart. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. How did it get there? It got there through meditation, day and night. Why is this such a blessing to us? Why is the word of God such a blessing to a spiritual person? Why do they live such a fruitful life? Why is it that their, their, their leaf doesn't wither and whatsoever they do prospers? Why do they find life and peace? Why do they find rich and satisfying life, abundant life? Why is that? It's because as a spiritual person takes the word of God into their mind and into their heart, they get a sort of um, filter. And all of life, as life comes through them, to them, and that's how life comes to us, through events, through tasks, as, as, as life unfolds in front of the spiritual person, that person interprets everything, whatever it is, good or bad, negative events, positive events. They interpret it all through the lens of the word of God, the illuminating word of God, and it's through that lens that they interpret their world, and they're able to navigate through this crazy world in the proper way. They're equipped. They can walk the path of life because they have the word of God shining and making their path straight. Which is why in Psalm 119, verse 105, we read these incredible words. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's because God's word hidden in the heart shows me how to live as Jesus lived. 
Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word helps you deal with temptation, helps you to see temptation for what it is, alive from the pit of hell. And you can avoid it and go around it because you can see. See, the word of God helps you to see what life is, what's really going on in this world, what reality really is. You can get through difficulties and cancers and when people wrong you and the ups and downs of life. You know, when I wake up in the morning, oftentimes um, my wife is still sleeping and the kids are still asleep and the, the house is still dark. And so what I'll do is I'll use my cell phone. And as many of you know, on your cell phone you've got a flashlight and it doesn't look bright in here right now because it's all lit up. But in my little, uh, in my bedroom, this little light shined on the ground, man, opens up the whole floor in front of me. So when I get up out of bed, I turn my cell phone light on and I get up and I start walking and I can find my way uh, to the bathroom and I can find my way to where I need to go. And you know, you never know what's on the floor in my house. I mean, it's crazy. There's, there's all kinds of things. We have a dog, there's toys, there's Legos. You ever step on a Lego yeah, you, in the middle of the night? Yeah, you have. See, it's, it's like death. <laughs> so you get this thing out and you just, you kind of go through and and you can find what you need to find. And I make my way to the coffee pot and I make my, and I turn the light out in the kitchen and I'm good to go. I'm telling you what, it works the same way with God's word. It is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It shows you how to stay away from the landmines of temptation and Satan's lies. And it shows you how to deal with stress. See, some of you, some of you have been Christ followers for a while and you're like, okay, I prayed that prayer and I'm a good person, and, and, but why do I still deal with worry and anxiety and fear and anger and lust? Like, shouldn't I be overcoming those things? Well, well you should, but you need God's word in your life to be able to, to filter through the temptations of what's causing all of those emotions in your life. You can't just simply overcome those because you said a prayer. Right? You need, you need God's word in your life as a filter to interpret the events of life so you can live above anxiety, live above worry, live above fear, live above lust, or whatever has been tripping you up. Does that make sense? It helps you to see. What have I said today? Here's what I said. I'll just sum it up this way. A spiritual person, a person is spiritual to the degree that his or her focus, their mind's focus is on eternal things. God's word, God's will, and God himself. Can I ask you a question? Based on what you've heard today, you know, are, are you spiritual or are you unspiritual? Are your thoughts on things on earth or on things above? Do you think mostly about seen things that are temporary or unseen things that, or, that are internal? A spiritual person's focus is on eternal things and when that's happening god god's will god's word it will lead you to a life of peace and joy it will you will become that person whose whose leaf does not wither who bears its fruit in season and whatsoever he or she does it'll prosper that's the life that's available to you and i you know over over my short life as as a, as a christ follower um I try to really understand reality and what's going on and how to live this life. I really do. One of the most important things I've learned about reality, uh, about the human being, the human situation, is that I have and you have the choice of what thoughts 
will dominate our mind. Like no one else can think for me. No one else can force me or force you to think a certain way. In the end, you make the decision about what your dominating thoughts are. And you have to be real careful with that because the mind that's set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. You must make that choice. Where are you gonna allow your thoughts to dwell? What are gonna be the dominating thoughts in your mind? Spiritual person says, okay, okay, I get that, the mind is powerful, and I need to let my dominating thoughts be on things that are above, unseen eternal things, and that will lead to the life that God has created for me. And I will become the person that God has created me to be if I do that. The choice is yours. Now let me close. Let me close by, by inviting some of you, many of you perhaps, into the spiritual life. I said earlier that true spirituality is really a matter of another reality invading our reality. The kingdom of God invading the kingdoms of this world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But I came to to offer up a different kingdom that if, if you should desire a different quality of life, an eternal quality of life, a life filled with joy and peace, you can have it. Life with me. Jesus said one time to a man who didn't have this life, his name was Nicodemus. John chapter three, verse three, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There must be a second birth. You were born physically, Nicodemus, but you have to be born spiritually. You must put your faith and confidence in the one who brings true spiritual life, and that is me, Jesus is saying. Will you put your trust in me? Will you trust that I came to this world to offer spiritual life, that I came to die on a cross to pay the penalty of your sin? And that's what all of us need. We need the forgiveness of sins. Our sins have separated us from God. Jesus says, I've come to die on a cross to pay the penalty of your sin, that you might be washed, made clean, become a new person, receive grace and forgiveness by placing your faith and what I did for you on the cross. Jesus invites you. Will you trust him? That his death and his resurrection was enough to make you a brand new person to give you spiritual life. If you feel God tugging on your heart right now, would you respond? Would you put your confidence and trust in Jesus? Would you say to him today, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you paid the penalty for my sin. I'm now putting my full confidence and trust in you for spiritual life. Would you, would you be bold enough to make that decision today? If you feel led to do that, I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and bow your head right now and pray this simple prayer with me. It's the prayer of faith. When you say this prayer, it's not the prayer itself that makes you a child of God. It's the faith behind the prayer. Just pray this very simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask you to be my savior right now. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. I turn from my sin to live in your kingdom. I place my confidence and trust in you for eternal life. Forgive me and make me your child. And from this day forward, God, Help me to fill my mind with eternal things, with thoughts about you, with thoughts about your will and and your word. I know that that will lead me 
to rich and satisfying life. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed to receive that prayer, if you just prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, our church would love to put a one-year New Testament in your hand. And I don't think I have to talk much about why we do that because I just talked about it. We believe with all of our heart that as you you take God's word into your life, it is a lamp unto our feet. It is a life, uh, a light unto our path. It shows us how to navigate this life, how to overcome temptation, how to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has given us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, would you go back to the back of the auditorium and pick up one of these Bibles? I encourage you to do that. Can we give God glory for what he's done today? Absolutely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So exciting. Hey, uh, we rejoice with you. We're excited. Here's the deal. Next week, we are starting our Christmas series. It's called Peace. It's going to be an incredible series. We're going to talk about the peace that comes to us through Christmas, through the life of Jesus Christ. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends, family members, anybody in your life that basically has said no to God and no to church, right? You have to come to church on Christmas time, right? It's almost like not American to not come to church during Christmas. So I encourage you to invite your friends and family members. We'll be presenting the gospel each and every week and God's gonna do, and we're trusting God to do great things. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much for the opportunity to talk about what the spiritual life, to talk about what it means to be spiritual, to live in your kingdom, to find rich and satisfying life, eternal life, to live with Jesus. Father, help us to become spiritual people by filling our minds with eternal things, thoughts about you, thoughts about your will, and your word. Help us to find that rich and satisfying life that is in, only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.